2: is something that happens in life, it happens in sports, and I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively.
0: This is where sports talk gets real.
2: That word, playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids.
0: And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs.
2: Hello everybody, I am sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City, along with my producer Chris Bullock. I'm here every week. We talk about the mental side of sports on this show, we talk about confidence, we talk about attitudes, performance, anxiety, pressure, stress, we delve into these issues on this show, get into conversations with you about these topics every week. I've been in practice as a sports psychologist in the Kansas City area in my 38th year, and I've been on the radio for 28 years, the last 18 years here at Sports Radio 810 WHB, in our show's now syndicated in a number of cities around the country and our list is growing each week which i'm excited to say so i look forward to doing this show with you every week talking with you and discussing the mental side of sports you know when we talk about sports what comes to your mind fun winning losing enjoyment activity Youth sports is one of my passions if you listen to this show, and you'll know that as a co-author of our book, Just Let Them Play, with uh, Kansas City Royals Hall of Famer Jeff Montgomery and USA Swimming Hall of Fame coach Pete Malone, we talk in our book, Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and athletes for Youth Sports, about the world of youth sports, the positives and negatives. In my practice, I see all kinds of people. I get professional athletes, olympic athletes, collegiate, high school athletes, lots of young athletes and their parents. And one of the common topics that comes up almost all the time is the issue of confidence and fun. I get a lot of young athletes, lots of lots of athletes in their teens who come into my office and will talk to me about their confidence how their confidence is not strong, how their confidence has been hurt. Or sometimes they're not sure how it's been hurt, but it's been hurt, it's been damaged by coaches and or parents, but, but usually coaches, who will be derogatory, condescending, negative, critical, insulting, degrading. I've said it many times on this show. We don't. I, I don't feel many coaches are not trained properly to coach. Most have good intentions, but a lot of them do not have the right training psychologically. And so what happens is a lot of kids quit sports. There are all these statistics out there about how many kids quit sports by age 12 and 13. The numbers are staggering when you look at it. And so many kids quit because of this reason first and foremost not fun anymore why isn't it fun because coaches emphasize winning there's a study recently done guess where the importance of winning was on that study number 48 by kids that's where winning ma- matters to a lot of kids it's not it doesn't but unfortunately for a lot of it, parents and adults it does So I want to talk today about this. I want to talk to you about and and get into some discussions with you. If you have coached, how much emphasis do you place on making youth sports fun and how much emphasis do you place on success and winning? If you're a parent, why are your kids playing sports? Do you get them involved because... You want them to have an activity? Now, let's face it. Many kids don't participate in sports. They're overweight. They're out of shape. They spend more time on video games and on social media than they do activities. So we know the importance of sports. A lot of people have their kids quitting by 12 and 13, as I said, because it's not fun. There's negative coaching. There's derogatory stuff being said to them. They get yelled and screamed at. Last night I had a conversation with a 12-year Major League veteran, guy I've known for a Actually, I was with him, I was at the very first game he ever played when I worked at the Kansas City Royals. He was called up in uh, late summer, and uh, I've known him ever since, back in 1990, that's what, 29 years ago, 28, 29 years ago. We had this conversation about it. His father was a very successful Major League player as well. He says, Doc, it's not, it's not fun for kids because the coaches' egos are so big. It's all about them. It's all about what they want. It's never about the kids. It's all about the coaches. And, and getting yelled and screamed at doesn't do it. He goes, I go out and watch kids play all the time. He has a daughter. He watches kids play. And he said, I see, I see these people screaming at them because they strike out or miss a, miss a shot. What? What? is accomplished by that. Negative coaching... Now, let's face it. If you screw up, you make a mistake. You want to learn from it and grow from it. I always use this comparison. If you're a, a student in school and you are asked a question by a teacher and you get it wrong, does the teacher yell and scream at you? Throw their clipboard down or their, a book down or kick, kick the... Uh, chair because you got it wrong where's the analogy there so I want to get some calls in. I want to hear from you if you're a coach how do you coach kids in the right way what's the right way to coach is sports a fun activity for your kids if you're a parent I want to hear from you are you finding you sports puts too much emphasis on on the end result of the score and winning and not enough emphasis on the activity and learning and growing. So I'd like to hear from you if you're a parent. Get your thoughts on that. Why are your kids playing sports? What do you see that's good or bad about it? Have you ever taken them off a team? Have you quit a team? If you're a coach, why do you coach? Have you found yourself... Coaching kids and regretting later some of the things you said. Have you found yourself possibly harming kids' confidence with some of the things you've said? I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. I'd like to hear from you if you're a parent. I'd like to hear from you if you played sports and you ended up quitting because it wasn't fun anymore. The fun was gone. The excitement was gone. And here's the, here's the key question. How do we change it and make it better? Now, let's face it. A lot of kids quit by age 13 and 14 because they start to specialize in one sport. They find one sport that they spend most of their time in. And if you want to be really good, you need to obviously do that. But how many kids quit playing sports at younger ages because the emphasis is too much on the result of winning and of the negative coaching that goes on? So I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. I'd like to hear from you if you're a parent. I want to hear from you if you have played sports yourself. How did you deal with a negative situation, a negative coach? Was it something you ended up quitting and giving up? If you're a parent and you see coaches who are not being positive, being negative with your kids, what do you do about it? Do you speak to them? Do you just let them do it? How do you handle that? I get this topic in my office all the time. It's a problem that's getting worse because winning's becoming more important than I think it should be. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
0: This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
2: I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com. That's winnersunlimited.com, doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com.
0: Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products.
3: Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin. UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every 2 hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equals healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov/sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration.
4: Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back. When your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain. And you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful, pain reducing prescription medicines. But most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home, pills, patches, or syrups, in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drugdisposal.
2: This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports. And today's topic is this, the whole issue of coaching. Are coaches coaching properly? If you're a parent, have your son or or daughter experienced a, a bad experience with a coach? How did you handle it? What did you do about it? Do you think youth sports puts too much of an emphasis on results and winning and not enough of an emphasis on just the experience? So I'll get some calls in here and see what you say. If you are a parent and you've had an issue with your son or daughter's coach before, your son or daughter's had an issue with their coach, how did you handle it? What did you do? Did you speak to them? Did you let that kids handle it? Did you ignore it? What did you do? I want to read a story I saw on the Internet. By a parent last night at my daughter's JV basketball game. She plays guard. She had the game of her life. She tends to have confidence problems even though she's an excellent player. I often get comments from other coaches and parents about her defensive play, her passing, and ball handling skills. Well, last night she scored 12 points, including an incredible three pointer. That was a huge breakthrough for her. She usually passes the ball when she has a shooting opportunity. We're all so proud. However, during the last few seconds of the game, she took a fabulous three point shot and missed. After the game, her coach proceeded to tell her never to do that again. My daughter said she was in trouble with her coach. All she talked about on the drive home was the negativity and that she was in trouble. My husband and I reminded her to dwell on the great things she did because she had a great night. Okay. This is a perfect example of what I'm talking about here. And this happens a lot. I mean, let's face it. No one's perfect. Everyone's going to screw up. You're going to miss shots. You're going to strike out. You're going to screw up. So as a coach, what do you say to kids when they screw up? Do you degrade them? Do you insult them? Do you tell them, that don't do that again? Or do you encourage them to do it again? You know, I've mentioned many, many times, Kobe Bryant broke a record two years before he retired. Most missed shots in the history of the NBA. He played two more years. And a lot of people say, well, he wasn't afraid to shoot. He was a ball hog. I say, he wasn't afraid to miss. The whole idea of failing in sports is going to happen no matter how good you are, no matter how great you are. And as a coach, how do you coach the negativity and the failure? So let's get some calls in here. If you're a coach, I'd like to hear from you. You have a young man or woman who's screwing up, making mistakes. What do you say to them? How do you coach them? How do you teach them to get better? If you're a parent and you're a son or daughter makes a mistake in the game, screws up. You see that the coach gets upset at them about it. Their teammates get upset at them about it. What do you do? Or you're sitting in the stands, and other parents may yell at your son or daughter because they struck out. Why'd you do that? You just cost us the the run or the inning. As a parent, how do you handle that? The negativity that surrounds all this is very strong. And I think how we deal with this, how we teach kids to handle this is important. But it starts with the coaches. So if you're a coach, I'd like to hear from you today and get your thoughts on coaching kids in a positive way when they screw up. When they make a mistake, what do you say to them? How do you get them to overcome that? You know, throughout the show, we get loaded up with calls towards the end. So let's get some calls in here now. If you're a coach and you have kids that screw up, what do you say to them? What do they say to you? Are they so consumed with winning and the results that that's where where their mind is at? Or are they more focused on trying to get better? The whole issue of self-confidence, you know, what is confidence? It's the belief in yourself and your abilities. How do you build it? How do you destroy it? I see so many people that come in my office And it all relates to confidence, even professional athletes. I've had many, many professional athletes throughout the years, Olympic athletes as well. Their confidence is affected in a negative way because of a derogatory statement a coach will say to them when they've made a mistake. So this whole idea of failing and screwing up in sports happens, but how do we coach it? So if you're a coach and you have kids who make mistakes, what do you say to them? So this young girl who's driving home with her parents, she's got her parents in the car telling her that she did great, but all she's thinking about is the shot she missed at the end that the coach said, never do that again. So as a parent, what do you say to your kids about that? I think you have to share with them maybe a story where you've screwed up, where you've failed, where you've made mistakes, and help them understand how you overcame it. The whole idea of playing sports, to me, should be about the experience of learning, growing, and getting better. But unfortunately, there's so much of an emphasis on the end result of winning and the score. You now, as I said, there's a study that just came out. Winning was ranked number 48th. When kids rank the important... What, what, what are the exciting aspects of sports? What do you like about sports? What you don't like about it? Winning was ranked 48th. So winning the game, even though you want to go out and win... But it's more about having fun and learning and growing from the experience. So, if you have a child who has quit their sport because of negative coaching or lack of confidence, I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach and you've had kids that want to quit because it's not fun, how do you try to get the fun back into the game? What do you do about that? Do you make practices? games that they can play more than something they've got to learn skills about what do you do to make the experience a fun experience for them this is a topic i know a lot of people have issues with i hear it all the time i get it in my office i hear it when i'm out to dinner with friends we see negativity in sports too much so as a coach i'd like to hear from you and get your thoughts On when you're coaching kids and they've screwed up, what do you say to them? How do you get them to learn from that and grow from that instead of hurting them and harming them in a negative way? I haven't had any calls yet, so let's even get some calls in here, get some discussion going about this, because this is a topic we all have to deal with. So if you were that mom or dad in the car driving home after the game and your child had a really good game, But the coach said something negative to them about a mistake. And that's all they're focusing on. What do you say to them? How do you help them overcome that? Because that's all they're hearing. That's all they remembered is that one negative thing the coach said. I think that's where more than anything else, one of the things you have to do as a parent is talk to the coach. Let them know, listen. Thank you for what you're doing, but I want to point some things out want to make sure you understand some of the things you've said and how it impacts my son or daughter because here's the feedback I've gotten from them it all comes back to the communication aspect, the importance of communicating with the coaches, you know a lot of coaches don't want parents to talk to them at all I have a big issue with that there's a time to talk and a time not to talk with them but I think it's important that you give coaches feedback positively or negatively about how they're coaching your kids and there's a way to do it All right, so let's get some calls and let's get a discussion going. If you're a parent, you're a coach, how do you build or destroy confidence in your kids? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
0: This is the Sports Psychology Hour. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, And with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information, and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products.
5: Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma? This is hard, she's so young, but I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble.
4: Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too.
5: Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think?
2: Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.
1: All right, crew, let's get her dug.
5: Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember?
1: No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban And water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811, brought to you by Common Ground Alliance.
3: If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary Rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today.
1: Here's farmer and landowner John Prueh. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. And we were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light, crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse.
2: Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello everybody, I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Here every week talking about the mental side of sports. And today's topic is this, the issue of youth sports and confidence, destroying it, building it, if you're a parent, if you're a coach. And I'd like to hear from you, if you're a coach, how you build confidence in kids or if you have found yourself harming it and destroying it before. If you're a parent and your son or daughter's confidence is not good, you can see it getting affected negatively by a coach or positively by a coach. I'd like you to share a story with us about it. I've been reading several articles about this the past week, and the more people come into my office, the more I see this issue with kids' sports as being a bigger and bigger issue today, why kids quit. It's not fun anymore. It's not fun because the coaches are too negative. They're too caught up with the results and winning. Here's another article I saw. What I've seen in my children and with many other children who are beginning to enter the world of more competitive sports at around the ages 12, 13, and 14 is the devastating effect a coach can have on a child's confidence if the coach chooses not to play the athlete in meaningful games at meaningful times of the game. You don't see this circumstance in a sport where individual performance is the essence of the competition, like track and field, swimming, or cross-country. In those sports, even in a team environment, only the most mean-spirited, ignorant coach would keep a top performer off the course, track, or pool. However, with team sports like volleyball, football, soccer, baseball, basketball, you do have occasions where coaches who are so wired will take out of necessity for injuries, sickness, families moving away, more kids than they can more kids than they can put on the court field and then choose to play only the same starters over and over again for the entire game. I tell you nothing is more harmful to a child's confidence and self-esteem. Soul than an athlete than an, soul than an adult coach doing this to a child. On one hand, the coach gave the child the impression that he or she thought the talent was good enough to be in the team to contribute and be further developed to include the stressors of game time situations. And yet, once the season has begun, and once the team has begun getting the parents' checks, some child will find they're not really nothing but a practice player and don't get to play. What's the effect on a child's psyche with this? Okay. Okay. I can promise you out there a lot of people listening have had this happen with their kids. I have a young lady right now I'm seeing as a softball player who made an elite level team. She was told she get to play a lot. She hasn't played a lot. They went out of town to 3 tournaments in Oklahoma, Colorado, and California. I'll be seeing them next week. Prior to leaving, the parents and the young lady had a meeting with the coaches. And said, look, you know, our daughter, and, and the daughter spoke, she's 14, she did most of the speaking, she goes, I've been coming to every practice, I've been doing all the things you've asked me to do, I will continue to do the things you asked me to do, but I want to know what's going to take to get me into the games. The coach says, yes, you've been improving, you've been doing the things we've asked, but, you know, we want to win. And sometimes we feel we need to have other people in there. Well, what do you think that did for her? Didn't do her any good. So I'll be interested to see when they come in this week exactly what happened. But how important is it at age thirteen and fourteen to have to win? Shouldn't it be more important to at least be able to get out there and play? My advice to the parents was, you know what? If they're not going to play your daughter, you want to spend the money to travel. And believe me, th- those three tournaments were probably going to cost them three to five thousand dollars between hotels, plane fares, food and everything else, my advice was, I'm not sure i do it. I don't know what you think about that, but my advice in that situation was, you know what, at some point you have to make a decision, is this financially worth it as well as psychologically worth it? So as a parent, where do you make that decision when your son or daughter is not getting to play, is not getting in the game? You have a coach who will make a negative comment to them, say something derogatory, How do you react? I'd like to find out from you, if you're a parent, give me a call. If you're a coach, how do you get your kids that you're coaching to all be excited to play in the game? The ones that don't get to start, the ones you have on the bench, what do you do to give them the excitement to come to practice to enjoy being there? How do you make it a fun experience? And if you're an athlete and you've been – you know, if you've been in these situations – This whole issue comes back to confidence, as I said. You know, confidence is one of these things. You have it when you go into a game. It it doesn't go away, but a negative experience can cause it to go down. And I see athletes all the time whose confidence gets affected in a negative way because of something bad that happens. And see, that to me goes back to practice. What do you coach in practice? What do you say to your athletes in practice? And how do you have them learn about failure? The third chapter in our book is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. And why is that? Well, because you're going to fail. You're going to screw up. If you play a sport, you will make a mistake. You will not have a good day. You will not have a good week. You will not have a good season. That negativity and failure is going to be there. So learning to deal with that is really, really important. And so I think in practice, one of the things you should do as a coach is get your kids to screw up, And then see, how are you going to speak to them? What are you going to say to them? How are you going to coach them? That's a big piece to this puzzle. I think practice is where so much of this can be worked out. If you're a coach, you talk to the kids in practice when they screw up. But instead of telling them what they did wrong, one of the things that I have found is very beneficial is if you ask them what they thought they did wrong. So I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. When you have negativity happening on your team with kids. They screw up. They make a mistake. What do you say to them? Do you get angry at them? Do you reinforce the negativity? Or do you try to get them to learn from that and grow from that? If you're a parent and your son or daughter has had a negative experience in a game, what do you say to them after the game? You know, we talk in our book, especially on the drive home, really not to get into it. Just go figure out where you're going to go eat. What are we going to do? Let them bring it to you. Don't you, as a parent, bring it to them. And that's one of the issues with this whole confidence issue that I find where people can lose it is when, as a parent, you start bringing up all the negative things they did in the game. I think the drive home should not be about the game at all. It should be about just going to, you know, where you're going to go eat, as I said. So as a parent, what do you do? When you've got that negative situation in the game with your son or daughter, how do you handle it? How do you help them get through it? I think you wait till you get home, let everybody calm down, and then ask if they want to talk about it. If they don't want to talk about it, you let it go. But if it was a real negative situation, I think that's a situation where you speak to the coach, give the coach a call, send him an email, send him a text, and say, Listen, want to let you know about the situation in the game, how that affected my daughter. My son's confidence is down. He's hanging his head. I want you to know about that so you can help him with practice the next time. The whole importance of communication is so, so important in all this in this entire process. And one of the things I found from the great athletes that I've worked with over the years, the ones who've made it to the top, they have all had these situations happen many, many times. And what they've told me is these have been the situations that they learned the most about themselves from because they had a parent, a coach, a teammate who reinforced the positives to them. You know, research has found it takes 12 positive statements to overcome one negative. It's pretty hard when you screw up, when you have other people succeeding around you, to feel good about yourself. I've seen it many, many times with athletes at all levels. And that's where I think your job as a coach and and as as a parent, you know, you try to help them understand it's okay, it's going to happen, What did you learn from it? How do you grow from this? How do you get better? I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. I'd like to hear from you if you're an athlete, if you're a parent. How do you handle negativity? How do you build confidence? And how does confidence get destroyed when your kids are playing youth sports? As a parent, how do you help them overcome that? As a coach, how do you help them learn from that? And as an athlete, how does it make you better? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology R.
0: This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
2: I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more, or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com. That's winnersunlimited.com. Doing your best, having fun and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com. Here's farmer and businessman
1: James Wood. We farm about 3500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse.
2: Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign.
0: All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about
2: health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week, and today's topic is this whole issue of confidence and communicating with kids, how you coach as a parent, as a coach. How do you deal with your kid's confidence when they make a mistake? would like to hear from your coach or parent. Let's see what Bill has to say. Bill, thanks for calling. How are you?
1: Hey, Doc. Um, another great question. I just, um, after many years of coaching, um, I think from the coach's perspective, uh, and then maybe about from the parent perspective, but from the coach perspective, I think you have to, in practice, I think you have to build credit with the young man. You know, he has to know that you're making every attempt to teach him, not to belittle him, but to teach him, and I had a, I had a principal one time of where I was coaching, and he used to come watch when I was a basketball coach, assistant coach. He used to come watch my practices, and one day he told me, Bill, tell him 499 times, then tell him one more time. And I kept trying to do that, you know, as a coach. And so when I build up confidence in a young man in practice, when I make a correction during the game, which there needs to be limited correction during the game, they just need to play the game, but when you do – they know that you are with them and that you're giving them information that they can use to improve. And so it's practice is where it's built, where the confidence is built, where the light goes off. As far as being a parent, uh, me being a parent at one time with with a, a child playing, I think that as I tried to do as my dad did, my dad just spoke to me not about what the coach needed to do, but my dad spoke to me about what I need to do. It wasn't about pleasing other people outside of the of the uh, practice that may say that coach is doing this or he's not giving me a fair chance. My dad always presented to me that it is my job to prove to the coach that I want to play and these are the things that you have to do to show the coach that you want to play and you have to improve on these skills. So it was always... With my dad and I, I tried and i'm sure people would say that hey he was negative at times but the negativity today everybody thinks that when you try to give constructive criticism it's the way you present the contru- constructive criticism is how it is taken and it's just simply trying to get something to make a young man feel that he can do it and he can didn't ever think he could do it but you teach him he can do it and then when it happens then give him that stroke telling that's what i'm looking for and then he'll go through the wall for you
2: how many years have you coached bill 50 50 okay obviously you've probably been through everything so let me ask you this question as a coach for 50 years with obviously coaching baseball basketball anything else
1: no that unfortunately i did track for two years but that Track, they just basically sit around and stretch that that was kind of hard for me
2: okay so. okay so let me ask you the question as someone who's coached for 50 years with this young lady who's going to come in and see me this week she's 14 she made this elite i mentioned this earlier in the show she made this elite level team softball team tried out made the team was told she'd get to play a lot has barely played at all and prior to the, these last three weeks her uh, parents, they went to Oklahoma, Colorado, and California for three tournaments. Actually, four tournaments. They went to Oklahoma twice, and the parents came in with the young lady and said, "It's gonna, it's gonna cost us close to between three and five thousand dollars for the whole cost of everything, between the expenses of the trip." Our daughter has barely played. She's gone to the coaches twice at your suggestion. Asked what do I need to do to get in the game? What I need to do to improve? What I need to do to play better? She's done these things. She's improved, yet she's still not playing. Her confidence is, is as, as frail as it's ever been. She's never wanted to quit softball. Now she wants to quit. I said, well, look, my suggestion to you is, first of all, after this season, she shouldn't play on this team, first and right. foremost. Second, I think you need to go in and sit down with your daughter, with our coaches, and explain what's going on. And considering the cost that this is going to be, my suggestion is if they can't guarantee you your daughter's going to get to play, I wouldn't go. I'm not one for quitting. I don't encourage people to quit teams, but I think considering what this has done to this young lady, she's told she's going to get in games and she doesn't play. She'll say you're going to play today, then they don't play her. At at what point, for someone who's coached for 50 years, Bill, would you say it's... it's time you know maybe we should just not do this and, and leave this team. Or do you stick it out and go to these tournaments and have her confidence get affected even worse? Because I'm well, sure she didn't get to play.
1: Well the parents have done the right thing of having the daughter go to the coach. okay she's gone they've gone to the coach. They have not gotten the girl's not gotten any satisfaction. she's been told she's going to play. It's now time for the parents to go. The parents need to take the daughter. as you've said maybe the daughter needs to go with the parent to the coach and find out exactly, get specific directions as to what she needs to do to improve as a player, and then next year I'm not going to play on that team. My son was in a situation with the same thing. He was told he was going to play, and then he was not given any chance to play. One game he went six for eight, and he had four RBIs. He didn't play for the next four games. You know, And as I went to the coach and told the coach, I don't want you to tell my son that he's going to play. If he earns the right to play, then he plays. If he doesn't earn the right, then he doesn't play. The issue that you have today, though, is is the money uh, factor, Doc. In high school, we don't necessarily have any money factor that... Um, right, that, this, that, and this that, is a
2: club, and that's why I said to them, you know, I don't encourage people to quit. But in this situation, considering how much money this is going to cost you, is it worth it to spend that money to go sit, you know, for four four weeks of softball tournaments to sit in the stands, watch your daughter hang her head, complain, get upset, cry, and not play. And then you spend all the money sitting there and then have the other parents all say, well, why isn't your daughter playing? We thought she was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So no, would I, you, you know, suggest you- that they, you know, I don't push for people to quit, but is that a situation in 50 years coaching experience, Bill? Would you suggest maybe it's best that she does quit before she she does that?
1: Absolutely, because this is different than, Doc, when you and I were raised. When you and I were raised, there were just a spattering of teams to play on, and parents encouraged their children to stay with it, to teach them that stay-with attitude. Today, we have people that are coaching at the, at the youth level that have no business because they don't understand. They, may understand. they may understand how to field a ball, how to hit a ball, but they don't know how to handle young people. They don't know how to talk to young people. They don't know how to encourage young people. It's basically a put-down that you weren't like me. You're not a good enough player like I was. If if you put the title elite, then everybody thinks they're going to be a player. Okay? If you as a coach see that they have no chance, I have to make that same decision when I was coaching on keeping a young man. Does he have a chance to play this amount of time? And I took the young man and told him, I can offer you right now, just looking at your skill level, I can offer you these amount of bats, these amount of games. If you want to stay with that thought in mind, I'm more than happy to have you because I wanted to have kids on my baseball team that loved baseball. And there are kids that love baseball that can't play as well as other kids. But I've got to tell him that he's got this amount of opportunity, and then I, as a coach, i got to look for every opportunity put him in. In situations where you say, okay, I can play a young man, I can put him in defensively. you got to look for situations that they can bat. Kids don't want to necessarily go in and play left field. They want to go to the plate where they individually go to the plate and see what their skill level is against a pitcher.
2: So the bottom line with this, and then i got to let you go, Bill. I want to thank you for calling because we're running out of time here. But the bottom line with this situation, then, you would encourage the parents to meet with the coach, and if the coach can't guarantee they're going to play, considering the cost of all this, then say, well, okay, we're, we're, we're leaving the team. Absolutely. All right. Well, Absolutely. sir, thank you for calling in. As someone with 50 years of experience, call in again. I appreciate it very much, sir. I, I appreciate your comments. All right. Bye. Have a great day. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. That was a great call right there. That, that individual, 50 years of coaching experience has obviously been through a lot. And he, here's the situation. As a parent, it comes down to your decision, what's best for my son or daughter? And that's where the whole communication comes in. As I tell everyone, take the time to speak, communicate. If, if you're a coach, you need to have an open-door policy with parents. There's a time to talk, a time not to talk. But it's important as a parent that you have the opportunity and the venue to be able to speak with coaches about your kids' playing time. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Go to the 810WHB.com uh, app can find them there under Additional Programming. They're also on my website at winnersunlimited.com. You can get a hold of me at my office, 816-561-5556. Send me an email at drj at com, And you can also follow me on Twitter at psych. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week.
0: You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com.
2: I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization Dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com. That's winnersunlimited.com, doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com.
4: Visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal.
5: Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma? This is hard, she's so young, but I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble.
4: Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too.
5: Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think?
1: Mmm.
2: Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.